I'm Marian Ellis, and this is the Surveyor Hub podcast, the podcast for surveyors who just love what they do. In this podcast, you'll hear from surveyors of all flavours, businesses of all sizes, and also conversations with people working in the business of surveying, supporting the work we do. We'll be chatting about what matters in our work, our career journeys, and learning how surveyors make a social and physical impact every day through our work. Don't forget to rate, review and follow the podcast. And you can also show your support at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the Surveyor Hub. Today's podcast is with Fiona Haggett, Head of Valuation for Barclays UK. And you may have come across Fiona as she previously had a role as UK Valuation Director at RICS. Now, I could have talked to Fiona for hours about her career, the different things that she's been involved in. But I hope you find this podcast, which is actually quite personal, quite personal conversation about her career and the resilience that she's um, uh, developed over the years and get something from it. As ever, I'd love to know your feedback, if any of this resonates with you, so do get in touch. Fiona, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Uh, hi, hi, Marion, sorry. <laughs> Caught me unaware. Wishing your lunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's really nice to talk to you because I've known you for a good many years now. And we work together in different capacities and different businesses and things. But I'm really looking forward to having a um, a good chat because I think you've had an amazing career or got an amazing career. And I think there's a lot that particularly women, I think female surveyors can learn from you. You've certainly inspired me anyway. So, but for those... Oh, you flatter uh, me. Listen, <laughs> I know, I'll, I might do that a lot. Yeah, um, <laughs> go on, bring it on. <laughs> uh, so, so for those who um, are listening who don't know who you are, firstly, they should know who you are because you are the valuation lady. I think in the UK, everybody knows you for that. You're you're the you're the speaker that people tend to hire um, at all the different events that surveyors go to. Um, you know, you've been really involved in the industry and, and things. But but it's a bit of an overview. How would you describe your your job and your career? Oh, I thought you meant how would you describe the way it is? And I'd say overexposed at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my job and my career, it's been really rewarding. Um, it's mm. Residential surveying has been really good to me over the years. Um, it's provided me with a huge amount of variety, enormous challenges um, and enormous rewards. So, yeah, I, I don't, I, if I had to do it all again, I'd probably go the same route. Um, it, it's, it's been right for me. Um, I don't have any regrets about the career path that I took. It's been rocky at times, but I, name me any person who's, uh, whose career doesn't hit difficult periods. We all have tough times, um, but it, it generally comes good. You just keep plodding on and, uh, yeah, uh, and look for what interests you most. I think that, that's, that's the main thing, um, and that's what's led to me to where I am now. It's, it's what is it that particularly interests you and what is your strength rather than um, you know, trying to, I mean, you try to develop your weaker areas, but really focus on your strong areas and, and go for that. Mm. So, so, how, so how did you get involved in surveying then? Did, had you always wanted to be a surveyor? Uh, I wanted to be a farmer. As you do, yeah, we had people in the family uh, in farming and uh, I... 
I really wanted to go to agricultural college and I actually applied to agricultural college, uh, much to the disgust of my then boyfriend, who is now my husband, uh, who was going, you stupid, what's it? Um, I think he put it a bit stronger than that, actually. Uh, <laughs> but I, I concluded that back in the early 80s, that uh, being a female going into farming was probably not... Um, not going to be great, you know, finding a role uh, unless I went into the family farm, which is in the middle of nowhere. Uh, finding a role might have been challenging. So I, I did sort of stop and think twice and then think, well, maybe not. OK, so I'd like a job that um, that doesn't involve sitting at a desk all day, every day, like I do now. <laughs> um, so, so I wanted something that got me out and about um, and surveying um, came to me because a friend of the family was actually a residential surveyor um, and he said well come out with me uh, see what I do and see whether you like it um, so initially I thought I'd go for rural surveying and then I went for land management um, which kept my options open initially um, and went on to study in Leicester with, for a degree in land management which uh, which is what led me to where I am now yeah that was and I think one I think yeah yeah and I think so often we need those um mentors that just say come and have a come out with me for the day you it's know, amazing how life hinges on it isn't it you know you can just yeah. have a it just happened to have a family friend who lived up the road who was quite amenable you know it, life hinges on these little moments um it does but I think also for us now as surveyors to remember to do that you know, I know yeah. some people are part yeah. of, you know, programs that go into schools and, and all of those things. But, you know, it can be on a formal basis like that. But still, it can just be letting people it, know it what you change do, lives. how you do it. Yeah, yeah. It does. It really does. I mean, he's long gone now, the family friend. Uh, but uh, he had his own estate agency firm and I had a summer job with him. It was in Hounslow. Uh, and he would take me out and they didn't pay me much. But I just thought, mind you, I, in those days, residential surveying, he used to swan around in a very large jag. Uh, and then he'd say, well, let, let's go. Uh, let's go strawberry picking this afternoon, shall we? Yeah, uh, it didn't it didn't end up like that for me. And it isn't for any of your anyone watching this. Um, times have changed, but it, it's still a really interesting job. And I was always interested in in houses and property. So. Although actually, when I became a surveyor, I didn't actually come into the surveying profession as a residential surveyor. Oh, OK. I started off as a property manager. So I finished my degree in 1984 um, and looked around uh, and the graduate recruitment round came around. Um, and there was a really interesting job with the railways. So I went to work as a property manager, managing railway arches in the East End of London, which was really fun. It was a great job. Uh, so I, was, yeah, yeah. yeah, I saw it all. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a bit scary at times, but um, yeah, managing property in the East End of London um, and up the East Coast a bit as well. And I, I managed what was the Royalty and Empire exhibition at Windsor Station. I don't know if anyone remembers that, but that was uh, that was one of my tenants. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's where I started in in, uh, in property management. And that's how I got my uh, TPC, as it was then, and my test of professional competence. And I think, um, you know, for a lot of us, as we, you know, come into the residential and valuation uh, space like you, like you and I are, or I was, um, the jobs that you have, the experience you have gives you that life experience. And I, I, I think, particularly in residential, we need an element of maturity, particularly when we're dealing with the public. Yeah. So that life experience, any 
you know, so anyone out there thinking, well, you know, I'm doing some dead end job somewhere. <laughs> Let me tell you, it will. There will be skills that you can use. Definitely, nothing is uh, is wasted. Um, and, and also, I you know, you talk about the the railways. The thought of for me, the thought of getting involved in any of that kind of work seems so far <laughs> remote and away from the kind of thing that I would have gone out and, and done. But I think we often forget that all of these different organisations around the, uh, the country or whatever part of the world you're, that you're in, they have assets, they have buildings, they have yeah, yeah, properties yeah. that need to be uh, managed, you know. Um, I was reading something about the, the NHS today, uh, some roof ceiling collapse can't remember or something that something that I've read oh and yeah you forget yeah. you know the number of buildings that they have that they actually it's not just all we talk about the NHS and it's all about health oh, and, yeah, yeah. and well-being but actually there's buildings and the infrastructure around it so there's oh, all these big companies have property managers yeah mm. yeah yeah absolutely uh, not, not quite as um <laughs> interesting as railway arches I probably have the distinction of being the most flashed up surveyor on the planet <laughs> In my, in my yes, in my early twenties, it was a common feature. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, in yeah, the, the lovely London, places bit, uh, lovely you had to be a bit you'd, uh, <laughs> you'd hang out. <laughs> but you know, that's a you know, I, I think that's a, a key thing to acknowledge. Actually, how things have changed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah I was talking to somebody uh, the other day, you know, about what it's like to be a, a female surveyor and or just to be a female out working these days and you know the when you started to be very different to to me and also now for young people sort of coming through young ladies coming through oh, yeah, matrix yeah. you know and but I think we've also got to um respect that but also not forget it because it's so easy to think how the behavior that you might have had back then and my experience that that's totally gone because these things can so easily be turned around can't it oh gosh I mean yeah having been in the industry as I say I came in I graduated in 84 and came in as as a property manager but even in residential surveying things have changed a lot so when I did my degree I think there were three women on the course and um I know of one other who actually went into surveying afterwards. Uh, and when I worked initially for the Halifax in-house surveyors, there was me, one other woman and 300 men. There were very few of us. And the behaviour, the standard of behaviour was not what it is today and what we had to put up with. Um, yeah, if you look back, you just wouldn't tolerate some of the behaviour that we had to accept then today uh but I mean I joke about being flashed at but it was scary and there were times when I was very scared out there in the east end of London um and I um I would have to run into shops and say you know can you protect me from this drunkard who was whatever I was a, a young woman yeah on my own it was quite frightening um but I, I don't think it's well the east end of London for a start has changed a lot Bethnal Green is, is a very different place now uh the, the the international rail freight depot at Bethnal Green is now long gone I used to manage a very very large tract of open land at Bishopsgate which is now ah, no longer there you know it's very upmarket around there now but you know it was just derelict um coal drop yards at the time so very different place did um did you ever feel like leaving the job then no I loved it loved yeah. It. <laughs> yeah um I went on to residential surveying for personal reasons 
um, because it, I was commuting. I'd, I'd, I'd met my husband at school um, and so we got married and he was up in the Midlands and I was commuting every day down to London from the Midlands back in the 80s uh, and it was proving too much for me and I I realised if I wanted to start a family then that just wasn't going to work. So that's actually what attracted me to residential surveying in the first place was it, it was more conducive to a family life uh, and I could work much more locally in the Midlands. So that's mm. that's how I ended up changing careers at the time. And, and I guess that's something a lot of surveyors look at. You know, you know, we talk about women, but actually these days we talk more about parenting. And I know lots of, um, you know, men change their working environments or work for themselves so they can do more of the, you know, help out with the kids. It's another and, wonderful development, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah, was all down yes. to me at the time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, you know, but... Um, but I think lots of lots of us get to a point where there's that career change. Yeah. So how how did you go about doing that? Was there a, a course that you did? Is this when you first started to learn more about the valuation oh, side of that's, things? That's the frightening thing, actually. Um, so I, I was a qualified surveyor uh, and I applied for a job as a residential surveyor up in Northampton with a firm that is now part of Connells, actually. Uh, and uh, I got taken under the wing of a surveyor and he trained me up. Um, yeah, I didn't have any of the formal training that maybe the SAVA candidates do or those at university, particularly around residential building pathology. Um, and that is why I, I've always felt that that was my weak area because I didn't have that that training. And I still think it's my weak area. I did a lot of valuation in my degree, a much more complex valuation than resi valuation. Uh, well, I say more complex, different much more mathematical. Resi valuation is complex in a different way. Um, but the building pathology, I've, I've always felt is a bit my weak area because of the, my lack of training in my early years. Uh, I was acutely aware of that and still am. <laughs> so did you do any training? Uh, you know, so you've obviously done all sorts of things on valuation, but did you not go back and do a, a course on the building pathology side or was it just not that something... was literally no it wasn't even mm. thought about it was literally learned on the job yeah and I think there's a few surveyors actually over the years that I've come across and I think particularly you know as we've had housing market booms and busts people have moved from other um, sectors of surveying into residential you know and the construction knowledge just isn't the same valuation knowledge just no. isn't the same and then we had the last crash and some of that, <laughs> uh, you know, the results of which um, became uh, very apparent. <clears throat> and I guess as surveyors, we've got to know our limits and know. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. I mean, it is an absolute requirement of the RICS. Once you're a qualified surveyor, in theory, you could do anything. But there is this requirement that you should be competent. Uh, and I, I, I look back and I think, you know, when I first started doing uh, home buyer reports I really wasn't competent to do them and I've always refused to do building surveys because I've never felt mm. that I had the competence to do it uh, it, it just it just didn't feel right to me but these days there's so much more out there by way of training so much more available and I've learned more around building pathology in the last few years than I ever knew before yeah I think um you know that that whole trust in your gut instinct and knowing uh, you know how experienced you are do you know this or not and I think for a lot of surveyors out there as they they go through their you know um, career journeys and uh, you know different properties that they they inspect you know so how do you know 
it's your nerves or your anxiety or you're worried or how do you know it's the oh can I really do this and how do you push yourself and you know there's some personal development work that we can do we know whether we've had the training to do something or not but I think there's also a responsibility and it's probably it's there now uh, in a lot of organizations you know to make sure that people are trained properly mentored yeah. properly um, I think we're much better day, at that it was just days. go for it <laughs> yeah much much better at that these days I think the, the only time that nerves came in, and, and you may well have found this as well, um, I have two children, so I, I left on maternity leave twice. Both times I only went a couple of months tops. That was before and after. I mean, I just was terrified at that point. It was, this was My oldest is 30 now. I was terrified to go for any longer because I didn't think I'd have a job to go back to if I did. So I was back in harness within sort of six weeks of having the baby. But even then, it knocked my confidence just being away for a couple of months. So I can't imagine what it must be like for a woman who's got a career in surveying or any career uh, who takes a year out. That coming back, it, it, I, yeah, it, it, it needs a lot of support. It, it doesn't take long for it all to come back and you to get back up to, up to speed. But somehow, yeah, you've been away. You've been looking after a child. You, you, when you come back into the workplace, um, confidence is, is quite a big issue. I, I imagine other women have found that too. Yeah, definitely. You know, with both of my children, I took between nine and 12 months off. And I think, you know, apart from the, the whole technical side of it, it's you're not coming back as the same person, if you yeah. like. You've now you got absolutely aren't. Yeah, yeah. responsibilities and <laughs> priorities, and you do doubt yourself uh, a lot more. And nowadays, I don't know, back then, you know, we have keep it in touch days where the no, organisation no. or business is meant to keep <laughs> in touch. You know, and I, I did a, a couple of those, but they didn't really keep me in touch. It was yeah. just, hi, how are you? Read this stuff. You know, I couldn't even remember my password to, to get in. So there's a lot that I think that companies can do to support people. Oh, yeah. The, I, I think the, the, the difficulty is everybody is different. They are, but it has Everybody's come on different. a long way. It's come on a huge mm. way. When, when, I, when I first went on maternity leave, I had to hand my company car back. My pensions uh, service for pension stopped. So I had a break in service. Um, yeah, they, they stopped my uh, bonus. Oh, I, it was quite shocking, actually, the way I was treated. And I, I, you know, women are treated much, much better these days. In fact, I do remember uh, climbing um, ladders till literally two weeks before he was born um, and lifting I mean, up manhole know, covers. Quite <laughs> frightening when you look back, really. <laughs> I mean, you know, literally here, I'm just like, are you kidding me? No, 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 yeah. Yeah, this is the privilege, I guess, that, you know, privilege, but right, you know, that 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 we've got now. But I think it's important to recognize how we didn't have those things and how we've still got to fight to make sure that everybody yeah. gets that that equal opportunity. Well, I guess yeah, because I was um, in such a minority, there had been mm -hmm. no female surveyor at the Halifax who'd got pregnant before. Nobody mm -hmm. thought about it. And and that's when true. I came we, back, yeah. my boss at the time. I, I, I complained, I can't remember what I was a bit annoyed about, something about the bonus or something. And he just went, well, what do you want? You've been on holiday for six weeks. Jam on it. <laughs> and he was just, <laughs> These people exist out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's retired, long retired. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it is really difficult. And I think particularly, you know, if you, if you're the only woman and I know there are, there are some out there in, in departments or businesses, or if you work for a small firm, 
it's a really hard conversation. How do you navigate that as an employer, um, as a somebody who's who's pregnant or, or had that leave? You're often asked, "What do you want?" When you don't know what you want, with well, your really head's in a funny place anyway. At that yeah, point. really so, difficult yeah. time. But it's having just keeping that conversation going mm. and making sure you know you feel welcome and 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 secure yeah. in your role I think is 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 really yeah that that was the big one for me was that mm. feel lack of feeling of security and that's why I came back so quickly and hopefully those those things have gone now and, and women are I hope treated a lot better yeah mm. But, uh, so you so you moved over to to, res- to residential then how did your career move you know to get sort of more specialized in in valuation well I um I went to work for this firm uh and it must have been about 1989 something like that and uh there was a big crash in the early 90s big housing crash so uh we did a lot of work for the Halifax Building Society as it was then uh the Halifax Building two combination the combination of two things the Halifax Building Society decided to do to appoint in-house surveyors um and the property market crashed and I found myself going to work every day with nothing to do and I thought this isn't going to last long this really is not going to last long (laughs) I'd better Mm. start doing something about it so I thought well if you can't beat them join them so I applied to work as an in-house surveyor um actually went to the West Brom the West Bromwich Building Society and I was there a few years doing in-house surveying but and that's another example of how things have changed because back then and that was in the early 90s the very early 90s 1990 I suppose um, my patch was enormous it extended from Bedford out to the wash up to Mansfield uh, to Birmingham on the west that's how big my patch was uh yeah yeah I can see your eyes getting wider and wider and wider <laughs> I was all over the country. Things have changed. Yeah, it's it's quite shocking, really, when I look back. Uh, I have my book, my old valuation book still, because, of course, we didn't have computers then. I used to write every valuation down for comparable evidence. It's a fascinating read. Um, but, yeah, I, I stayed there for a few years. Uh, but then uh, I found that when I had a child, um, I was treated really badly. And consequently I, I, I out got out and uh, went to work for the Halifax in-house surveyors where I spent 21 years um, and that was a great place to work and uh, yeah I, I, I went there on a six-month contract and uh, yeah it turned into 21, 21 years, years later yeah. so did you did you go in to do property inspections uh, and then or was that sort of because uh obviously being a lender they'd have guidance and technical departments yeah but I went in as a surveyor originally I was on the ladders uh so I worked out of um oh Solihull office that's right yeah um for quite a number of years out on the tools doing mortgage valuations and home buyer reports uh in the Midlands area and yeah I I just I got to the point where I was pulling upside a, up outside a house and thinking, I'm not sure. <laughs> He's another one. Uh, I, it, it, so, yeah. For some people, that point never comes and there's, it's endlessly fascinating. But for me, I'd done about 16 years of it or something like that. And I was pulling up outside houses thinking, oh, here we go again. Uh, so I thought I needed something else. So I volunteered to help with their internal audits at head office uh, and got a bit pushy. 
Um, so they had an internal risk quality person or whatever he was, um, and he needed some help. So I managed to get my way in there. By that time, I'd already got a couple of offices I was managing. I was a managing surveyor. Uh, I just needed something different and something else. So I, I would manage my two offices um, and then I'd go off and do audits on other offices at the same time. Uh, and that gave my, me my in to head office, which cost me dearly financially, because at the time, surveyors were earning huge bonuses out in the field. Um, and I was doing very nicely. Thank you. And then I went to head office uh, with the head office bonus. So it cost me dear financially, but I just needed a change. So when the quality um, manager retired, I went in and took over from him and became the quality and risk manager at um, Halifax. Uh, which had included colleagues by then as well. And um, used to travel around the country doing audits on office. They used to call me Haggit the Hun. <laughs> 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 and nice. I used to have my sidekick, Gunnar Harlow. But no, we used to, yeah, they used to talk about Haggit Greenies and office audits. So there might be some people watching this go, oh God, I remember you. <laughs> but they, I used to really enjoy going out meeting meeting the surveyors and the managers, although most of them tended to be told to keep well clear of the office when I was there. Uh, so I did that for a few years. And then the risk management side of lending started increasing exponentially. Mm. So a lot of my work moved over to the risk side uh, mm. as well. Yeah. How did you um, how did you find that sort of transition from going out and doing the job and then looking at it from the from the other side? Because um, my uh, when I came off the tools, my first role was audit before I then went into all the, the, the customer client uh, side. And I always remember going to um, like a regional event and, you know, there's experiments you can do with coloured water and dye. And then you get a bit of um, like washing up liquid or I think it is. And then it just moves going, away. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like it was like <laughs> yeah. that when I said, oh, hi, I'm the audit manager. It was like, Poof. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I mean. me. <laughs> the, the surveyors would all disappear. But then you'd get one that would come in and you'd be, you'd be sitting in his desk and he'd come in because they all worked from offices with valuation assistants at the time. And, and he'd come in and it generally was a he. There weren't many women. Uh, and they'd go, you're in my desk. <laughs> and they'd get really. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I enjoyed it and, and I learned a lot from it. And I, I got a qualification in um, for the ISO 9001 um, quality assurance. So I did a did a qualification in that um, and used to do that side of it for colleagues for a number of years but then I actually quite enjoyed the way the job morphed into reporting within the bank and working on projects within the bank um, mm. around risk management as well because of course initially um, with the auditing I got to go around all the offices and then everything started coming online um, and then suddenly that stopped and then it got dull it got really dull because the whole thing about it was I'd enjoyed getting out and about, meeting people, yeah, seeing, seeing, seeing all the surveyors. And then just sitting in an office doing it from home was just no. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, there's only so much of it I could do. Uh, but then I, I worked from Halifax head office, which is still there, um, with the risk management stuff. And then got offered a secondment into the fraud team on some projects for a while, um, which was fascinating. It still had a lot of elements of audit around it. Um, but I got to see it from an entirely different perspective. So working with people from the bank and I felt like a, a totally different species of person initially because they are they're very different people in the bank. And it's still the case. I'm a bit of an oddball within Barclays as well, because I'm a surveyor through and through. And they're banking people and they are they come at things from a different perspective. 
they have different skills, um, which you learn to use. But but it was great uh, working in the fraud team. Yeah, and I had a secondment there for about eighteen months. So it's it's just adding to your experience, isn't it, and your knowledge and understanding where things go wrong and how things go wrong. Because this was then, at this point, it was post two thousand and seven. So we were very very aware of what had gone wrong in terms of valuation and how valuers were now you know paying the price yeah Mm. and I think what you've what's interesting is through all your experience of then of doing the job and then getting to know surveyors and how they work and why they do what they do you then find it's then you find yourself in a position actually where you've got this overarching view where you can also just see an industry almost you know um yeah which is quite quite interesting um, well, it, it, it was all about mm-hmm. writing standards, developing standards for surveyors, because we, we were seeing I was working with uh, and helping out the complaint handling team because the mm. sheer number of complaints that came in. Um, so you were seeing what was going wrong. So I was able to write standards on site notes, on, on comparable evidence, because that wasn't there before. Uh, and all the big companies were doing that. Uh, and so I was part of that as well. Yeah. And I think people might might, again, you know, people who come into the industry sort of more recently will forget perhaps how loose yeah. <laughs> standards and, <laughs> and things were back then you know yeah, and the yeah, yeah. consequences of that you know in, uh, that led up to then the the various you know crash and, and recession um you know for all the the RICS of whatever they've done for us actually you know when you've got oh, rules and standards oh, yeah. that that set you up for success you know I think people forget that actually those had to be created created we've had to learn a lot about how the industry works and you know we obviously we don't all get it right and and the the next thing will come around the corner and totally spook us but when I think now about um the way businesses are monitoring their risk they're using much better comparables than we ever used to I mean I literally remember a printout and a highlighter pen well (laughs) my book my little hardback yeah. book, that was all I had, or, or index cards. Things have come on enormously, but we learned the hard way. We really did. Mm. Um, uh, and the industry went through a really tough time. Uh, yeah, uh, and I, I, I found I enjoyed writing standards, actually. I'm really sad. Um, I, and I enjoyed writing guidance. And then that's when I started doing some public speaking. We'd go out and do some training. Um, yeah, it was it was all really interesting, interesting stuff. And, and I enjoyed to a degree dealing with the complaints because, again, I learned a lot. Um, and I know you've done the same. I've, I've not done anything like as much as you, but I would go out on site visits when there was a complaint and, and, and see what the issue was and yeah, get involved in it from that perspective. But I was never a complaints manager. It was never my main role. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's two parts to it, really. There's the investigation, the triage, what happened, putting the bit, bit like, you know, on some TV show, cop show, how did it happen? And then you've got to deal with the Mr. and Mrs. Unhappy, which is a whole other Well, whatever role you do in surveying, I, I, I would feel like I was a bit of a social worker. <laughs> we've, all, we've all felt that, you know, the little old lady yeah. in the house when you go to do a mortgage valuation, she hasn't seen anyone for a week, yeah. You still get that, it's, a, I'm it's sure. a people business at the end of the day isn't it that's yeah. the that's the thing how did you feel about uh, you know presenting and delivering training you know did you well I went for um, I went for a regional manager's role when I was at Collies and uh, it was a bit of flag waving I didn't think I'd get it but I was asked to do a presentation 
um, to the chief exec and uh, the regional managers. Uh, and I came in and made an absolute dog's dinner of it because I'd never done a presentation in my life before. Um, and they fed back, you know, how, how bad it was. And so I thought I'd better do something about this. So I went on a training course on presentation skills, but it, a lot of it's around confidence um, and being able to ad lib. So what I actually did was I joined a murder mystery company who did murder mystery evenings. Uh, and I joined <laughs> as an actor and I did it for about 15 years. Um, uh, and you would get a script, but it wasn't a script. It was a set, a scenario and certain things had to happen in a certain order. Um, and you had to ad lib your whole way through. And I'd quite often play the police inspector as well. And yeah, it was not paid well or anything like that, but I actually quite enjoyed it. And, and it gave me that confidence to be able to stand up in front of people and ad lib and to have that memory because I would have to remember that I had to, I had to do such and such an, an act, action or say such and such a words or scream or hit someone or whatever or get murdered. Um, but it had to happen after a certain other action had happened. Um, so you constantly had to be aware and then ready and then try and fit it in as appropriate and have that memory of how things went within the evening. And it was it was really good for me. It was a bizarre way to learn how to do public speaking, but it, it worked. It absolutely worked. And, uh, and you had fun along the way, I guess. I did. Yeah. I met some interesting characters and I got murdered a few times, too. <laughs> <laughs> Which, which a few people might wish had been more successful. But. <laughs> so, yeah. so more recently, I know you worked at RICS, you know, doing the standards and uh, as UK valuation director, I think your, your role was. Mm -hmm. And now you're at um, sort of come round again, I guess, to working for a lender at Barclays. Mm. Is that a sort of similar role that you had at Halifax or is it? Oh, much, much broader. Um, I, yeah, one of the reasons I left the Halifax, it was Lloyd's Banking Group by then, um, was I came back from my secondment uh, into, in mortgage fraud. Uh, and the role that I had been in, somebody else was covering it. So they put me in technical advisor role. I refer you back to my comments earlier. So I was a technical manager for the surveyors to ring up and ask advice. I don't think I'm the best technical surveyor. Um, mm. So I, I just felt I was in completely the wrong role. And it, it never sat well with me. Um, I wasn't enjoying it. So that, that's why I left. Um, I had a brief period with Connells. Um, and you and I came across each other while I was there, um, setting up their audit system um, and getting them through a bank audit. Uh, but then this opportunity at the RICS came up. Um, and it was the best job in the world. It was fantastic. But it's an organisation that has the, the, the struggles that it's going through had had been coming down the line for a few years uh, so in the time I was there it changed um, and I was one of the people that was constantly fighting to say I, I don't agree with this I don't agree with this so I probably made myself very very unpopular I was there three and a half years um, and I learned a huge amount and met a lot of people I've got a lot of contacts uh, in fact I learned a phenomenal amount there you know I, I have no regrets about working there uh, but the time came when when the, the way the RICS was going at the time was not the way I wanted the RICS to go. And so it was time for me to leave. Um, so I did. Yeah, it was it was an uncomfortable period. It was the best job in the world. But there, yeah, there comes a moment when you think, no, this this just this isn't right. And so and I, and I think, you know, many of us will have felt like that with different roles, uh, jobs that we've had. Um, 
but it's important that you you look after number one you know oh uh, yeah at the yeah. end of the day you know how uh, I mean you've talked you know you you've had all right you were at the um Halifax for 21 years but you've had a number of roles in and out and we, you know we talked about sort of being a up and down yo-yo but you've always struck me as somebody who's very resilient you know it's the this isn't working let's do something else has it been that easy or or not <laughs> and you know it hasn't <laughs> you know it yeah. hasn't because <laughs> you've been there yeah <laughs> I think this is interesting because you know we we listen to podcasts and we have these role models and I think you are absolutely a role model in our in our industry not just for women but for for all surveyors you know but we don't always talk about actually sometimes how shitty things are not that we want to yeah. go and have our x-factor story you know um uh, but it is up and down but I think we we sometimes we don't hear the the story about how you can bounce back up and or, or there's the where well, there's an expectation that we should bounce back up quite quickly but it's not always well, easy sometimes you know we need not... to feel the feels you know yeah um I mean I think I, I had difficult times before that as we all do um and there were jobs where I just knew it was time to go like like at the Halifax mm. it was time to go because I was in the wrong role um and it, it, it was just time to move on with the RICS um I absolutely loved the job but it was breaking me it was absolutely breaking me and um I I I was going through a difficult time personally at the time as well um and I was constantly at loggerheads and constantly battling the way things were going at the RICS and it and it, it, it did nearly destroy me and I, I clung on and I clung on because I loved the job so much um which and I clung on too long uh, and found myself in counseling with um Lionheart who who propped me up through that um uh, and were really wonderful they were incredibly supportive and they'd speak to me every week um just to keep me going uh, but there did come a point where I thought, if I'm, I'm going to have to leave this job because I'm going to have a breakdown if I don't. Mm. Um, and when I you left see, that job, and I think I saw you a couple of weeks before I left, yeah. actually, at an event. And see, this and really you, resonates you picked with, up on how down I was. Yeah, this really resonates with me because a year or so later, I think it was, or before, I can't, I can't remember time now, two years of later, COVID. Later, it was later. I can't, I can't yeah. As I went through something similar. You did, you know, yeah. You just... You just get to a point, and I, I remember thinking, you know, oh, there are times where you think, oh, this is stressful, and I text my husband and say, I'm going to leave this job. Da, da. But I remember I got to a point where some things had happened, but I just was very calmly thought, if I stay where I am now and I don't do something different, whatever that is, I will break. And yeah. having had postnatal depression after my kids you know difficulties with various things that go on in our lives um you know it was just this moment of clarity of just doing something for me and trusting it will work out I've no it was the biggest leap of faith I've ever <laughs> I've yeah. ever made but you, you, have, to, both, yeah. you have to you have to do it yeah. and I think you know we, we worry about the next job that we might need to move on to but sometimes you just have to do it for your own mental health and yeah and I had no job to go mm, to um yeah. I but I wasn't mentally I wasn't in a position where I could go for another job I was too mm. broken um I couldn't possibly have 
have, have done that. I couldn't have sat through an interview at the time. Um, so I, I went home one day. I, I just had this realisation that enough's enough. And I went home one day and said to my husband, look, I'm really sorry, but can you support me? But I, I need to get, chuck my job in and I won't have a job. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and it was the biggest and most scariest thing, uh, the scariest thing I've ever done. Uh, and I set up my own company. And um, I thought, well, I'll, I'll just see what happens. And for a little while, nothing happened. But one thing I can say is that this industry is fantastic. And by that point, I was pretty well known within the industry. And there were some fairly senior people within the industry who, who could see what was happening to me. They did see. Um, and I, they were wonderful. They picked up the phone uh, and one or two of them gave me some work just to keep me ticking over. Um, one of them in particular is still within the industry. And I spoke to him not long ago to say how much I appreciated what he'd done for me at the time, because it made me, I, I felt like I was useless. Uh, and it made me realize that maybe I wasn't. Um, mm. So it was that love that the industry gave me that helped me to recover. Um, and then I started building up my own business. Yeah, mm. um, and working now with Blue Box. Yeah. yeah, no, and, and I, I think that's really, um, really important because that, that sense of community as surveyors and how we support each other, I see that time and time again in the surveyors hub. Um, you know, different things happen and people rally around. Uh, there was a, a company that went bust earlier on yeah. uh, this yeah, year. Yeah. And, you know, the, the rallying of people that come to support you just think, isn't that that amazing? Uh, and for me, when I left my corporate role, I literally thought my surveying career was over. I thought nobody was hiring me and I'd just be a stay-at-home mum. And I did half a, half a day of that and thought, I am not a stay-at-home mum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never was either. <laughs> but it does take other people to, to, to pick you up. But it's not until you realise how far down you've gone and how, you know, I... I I thought I had no technical ability. I literally thought I had no skills. And, and two things uh, happened. One, I, I spoke to Lionheart, who were absolutely helpful, and I'd recommend them, and I'm ambassador well, for them now. Uh, me too, absolutely, and, yeah. And you helped me. You picked me up and said, right, okay, you're going to do this, do some valuation. You helped me, I helped you. You know, we, we both went through similar things in a fairly... Exactly, and I, and, I, yeah. and I think it's important to talk about, about this because I know there'll be other surveyors out there who... Uh, the surveyors that I come across actually, uh, we can feel quite lonely and quite isolated. Oh, yeah, when actually, if we, days, yeah. if we open ourselves up a bit, you'll find that there are, is support there. You just need to start sharing and say, actually, this isn't great for me right now. And you'll find other people will come to, to support, but we hold it all in so much. And I hadn't realised how low my self-confidence had got. And I don't know about you, but, you know, if I if I look at myself now, back then and then also the the you know the, the roles that I'd had and my, my previous career and I I don't recognize myself no, <laughs> that's how I, far I've how I, far I, I sunk I, I sunk to the bottom at the very bottom uh, I was afraid to be in a room on my own I couldn't be left on my own my children were worried to leave me on my own that that's how how much I I was affected by it all um it's I, I look back on it and I, I don't recognize that person but it was it was a it was a place I never want to go again um it was it was a really hard time but it's uh, a, yeah. a reality check I guess as to how low people can feel 
or be made to feel. But And I know there will be other surveyors out there who might feel like that right now. One of the things um, that I realised uh, that coincided, I guess, with that, that period of my life was the menopause. Oh, yes. For which I had absolutely <laughs> no idea. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm 47. I you know, went through menopause at, at 43. Um, you know, I had a, a popped out my last baby. I think she was the last egg I had when I was 40. Popped out this baby. And then went effectively straight into to menopause. And it's only now as I'm on my HRT, feeling a lot better, that I look back and think, oh, my God, <laughs> how much, you know, that yeah. had actually uh, shaped or dominated my life. And, you know, now we talk about these things, thanks to good old David. But I had no, no idea you know, either. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, with uh, when everything was happening at the RICS and, and it was pretty unpleasant, uh, my my domestic life was falling apart at the time. But I also... I'm somewhat older than you. I'm 59 now, but I uh, menopause hit me at that time when I was at the RICS. I was having hot flushes like you'd never seen, never knew anything about HRT. So I'd be dripping with sweat. It was literally running down my face. My glasses were steamed up. My head was all over the place. I was feeling down. It, it didn't help. It really didn't. And then one of my friends who's still at the RICS, actually, um, she said to me, just go and get HRT. But then I went to the doctor and the doctor said, you can't have HRT, it'll kill you. You know, I can't exist without it still. I mean, I just can't. Mm. And and the difference it made. But you don't realise because it comes on so slowly, you don't realise quite how much it's impacted you and your ability to function. Uh, Yeah. Oh, it was a huge turnaround when I did that. It was about the time I left the RICS, my whole life started turning around. But yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. you know, sometimes these things all, all come at once, don't they? And they, and they did. It all happened at once. Mm. And, and life's like that. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd had a pretty seamless, bumpy, bump free life. And then it all hit in one go. Yeah. But what, you, what, yeah. what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's what they say. And it's true. It's absolutely true. Um, so, yeah, I'd say to anyone who's going through those sort of periods right now that yeah, there is a there is another end. There, there is there is the light at the end of the tunnel. And, and what happened with me was um, I'd had uh, I talked about how much support I'd had from the industry. And it wasn't just within the residential surveying industry. It was in the wider industry. Uh, when I left the RICS, people kept in touch. And then I got a phone call literally out of the blue one day and I was working with Sava and Blue Box doing this that and the other and a few bits here and there and doing APC um, coaching and assessment and this that and the other uh, and I got a phone call from Barclays um, and they they'd been told by Tony Major who still works at Barclays who knew me from the RICS days that I was the person they needed and they offered me consultancy work for six months back to the consultancy work for six months and of course it turned into I've been there four years now and I'm yeah permanent because it, there was a crying need for someone and it it just it was like it was meant to be it, it, it mm. was I'm around I'm a round peg in a round hole um and they're just such great employers uh, they, they they flip and work you hard I I work incredibly hard but uh they appreciate me and they tell you that they they really are a great employer um you have line and, and if they're, if they're, maybe if they're listening yeah. now you know you'll get a nice big brownie points <laughs> oh, right. well i mean yeah, yeah. i mean 
you can have a great culture within an organization like Barclays do. I mean, you might have a, um, a line manager that doesn't fit you. I can't even say that because my line manager is fantastic as well. Um, but yeah, if the culture in the company is right, then you can deal with it. And, and I would never feel afraid to speak up in Barclays. And I have done. Um, there's only been one occasion they've really upset me. And I just picked up the phone to the head of mortgages and said, I'm really upset. Uh, you know, <laughs> or maybe it's the age I'm at and the point in my career that I'm at that I feel able to do that. And, and we sorted it out. And that was the end of that. And yeah. Um, so, I, think yeah. As you, I think as you, we, we go along our careers, and I've had all sorts of jobs before I became a surveyor, uh, sometimes we don't know... Uh, it's, when we can be ourselves and when it's a great culture you know to get that magic mm. mix which it sounds like you've got now you know as you're younger and coming through the ranks you know there's an expectation of this is how you perform the, the role and who's the boss and who you have to be nice to and all of these rules and unwritten rules I guess of you know as you then build your your confidence and then you just get to a stage in your career and think no we don't talk to people like that or I'm gonna yeah. have my say you find that fire yes. in your belly you do you know? yeah maybe because I'm so close to retirement it doesn't matter anymore I'm not worried about my I'm not worried about my career possession uh, progression uh, you know I, I I am not afraid to speak up and I haven't for a long time I, I think since the RICS days really been afraid to well during RICS uh, mm. didn't help me speaking up in the RICS I have to say <laughs> but um but Barclays do listen um and it's it's a strange combination of a hierarchical culture, which it has to be because it's such a organi huge organisation, but non-hierarchical as well, if you see what I mean. So, mm, I, yeah. you know, I, I know that the head of mortgages is the head of mortgages, uh, but I can pick up the phone to him. Um, I yeah. can pick up the phone to my boss, my boss's boss, and my boss's boss's boss. I probably wouldn't go higher than that. <laughs> but, mm. you know, I know that, they, that they're there. Um, and, yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm very happy where I am. Uh, and the breadth of work, sheer volume is a bit daunting, but the breadth of what comes in is, is, is just what is really interesting and fascinating. Because it I've, gives I've, you enough of that challenge. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Well, I get bored easily. So when I say you know, sitting doing audits every day, I still do some QA, some auditing, because yeah, it makes sense and it keeps me in touch. Um, but I have that variety. I do get bored very easily. I need new challenges. And the one thing Barclays gives me every time is a new challenge. <laughs> you never know what's coming around the corner. And, and it's just always really interesting. And I can make a difference. So on, on a Friday afternoon, there might be a huge crisis because something's gone horribly wrong with a mortgage. Um, and it's a property related matter. And there's somebody sitting in their removal van and we'll all get together to try and sort it out. And I can make a difference. You know, that person mm. could be in their house on that Friday evening because I've been a part of that. So, Well, I was just going to ask you, actually, do you think about the impact that you have in your work? Because I don't think surveyors often tune into this. But if you think about, you know, your, the number of homes we go in every day, week, month, year, the lives that we then impact and, and yeah. can make a difference. And you said, you know, making a, a difference. It's incredibly rewarding, but also look at the difference that we're making to our our society and, and to people's lives. It's, do you ever, have you ever well, thought if, about if that? You're a surveyor who's going out and doing a, a, a home buyer's report, for example, for a buyer, you, you, that advice is making a difference to them. 
isn't it? Without doubt, because mm. they, they know what they're buying. It's the biggest thing that they, they, they will spend their money on and you're there to support them. So as surveyors, we make a difference all the way through, without doubt. Mm. Sometimes, not always positive, sometimes. Um, and those who work with me know that um, every now and again, I'll do a Friday afternoon snotogram where I'll go, oh, for goodness sake, <laughs> what on earth was the surveyor thinking? But you know what? Most surveyors do a darn good job. And every now and again, we're human and we make a mess of it. Very rarely, but we do. Um, and, 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 you know, that that's something I think the industry needs to get a grip on because we talk about claims and the claim culture and PI, but there's no real data. You know, and in the in the context, it's small numbers compared to the amazing work that people are doing day in, day out, you know, but we never, it's never contextualised like that. Well, I have a peculiar Mm. ability to to snuffle out um, cases that have gone awry or the surveyors reported Mm. wrong. Years of of auditing have have given me that ability. But you know what, what amazes me is how few names I know these days and if I don't know your name that's great because you've done a damn good job <laughs> yeah same here <laughs> when dealing with complaints like I don't yeah, know yeah. you that's a good thing that's yeah a good it's thing. a good thing if I don't know your name yeah <laughs> unless I know how, your name for another reason do you? how do you um manage your mental health I know you you do a lot of cycling I always see you out doing uh, rallies and things like that you know we, we talked about resilience and the and the ups and downs do you make a conscious effort to manage your mental health I'm really bad at it because I'm a total workaholic and I work far too many hours um so she has just spent the whole weekend working um and I need to be out on my bike during lockdown it kept me going I was doing 70 miles a week, which for some of you wouldn't be much, but for me was a good, a goodly amount. Sounds an awful lot sadly, to me, <laughs> Sadly, I got COVID in November and was really, really ill. Um, mm-hmm. And I still haven't got over it. So the cycling has dropped right off and I need it. Um, but I went out a couple of weeks ago on the bike with the girls uh, and I did 20 miles, which is nothing. Um, 20 miles was just nothing. Um, but it wiped me out for a week. Uh, and I don't know how long that will last because I miss it. I really miss, I miss the girls. I miss uh, being out in the fresh air. I miss the exercise, uh, but I just, I've not got the energy. Um, so I'm going to have to start picking it up. I, I suspect I've got a touch of long COVID, um, but I really, really miss that. And I, I am aware at the moment that I do need to do something um, to get out and about. But it, I mean, it helps being back in the office. It helps meeting with people. But I don't know if you find, having had two years of pretty much lockdown, I go into the office these days and people exhaust me. I'm not used to lots yeah. of people. It's exhausting. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting because yeah. my, my lockdown, my first thought was not about being on my own all day. It was, what, I've got to feed people three times a day because I had the kids and my husband. <laughs> And I, so I actually felt opposite in, in some ways that my my whole sort of space had been invaded, if you like. Ah, and there. now and now when my husband goes back into the office a couple of days a week, I do feel quite lonely. I've got nobody to talk to. Well, so. I had the opposite. Yeah. So my husband was working away in the week. So I had the weeks on my own. He now lives abroad. Uh, so when I'm not visiting him, I'm on my own the whole time. So it mm. was really, really lonely lockdown. It was very isolating. And my mm. cycling friends and Zwift kept me going. We'd have Zwift sessions four or five times a week. Uh, online cycling app, if those of you who don't know. Um, and I'd be on my turbo trainer 
with an app chatting to the girls um, all the way through lockdown. They kept me sane. And I yeah. think this is the thing, you know, it's recognising what you need. And I know I need to speak to people every day or I can just get quite lonely and, and, yeah. and isolated. And social media isn't, it's just is not, or email is just not, not the same. And I find now that I probably need like a co-working space, you know, in, the, in a local town or, or something like that. So I actually get out. But you're right. I find if I go into busy places or... Um, uh, conferences or whatever actually it's really it is really draining but I guess it's a, a a thing we've got to relearn but it doesn't mean we have to what I've learned is I don't have to put myself in these situations but again. I love it I want I, to you know I do love it it's just it's exhausting because I've just yeah. got out of the habit of it and it's uh, yeah it's but I, I just love my days in the office but it's got much more expensive getting to the office so I don't go as much as I used to and actually I can get so much more done at home so um yeah it's 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 a challenging one finding what what that new normal is and and uh, yeah but that's why i really enjoy getting out and about meeting surveyors um going to conferences speaking at conferences love that sort of stuff just meeting surveyors otherwise you you, you end up sort of stuck in your own little world you do you do absolutely yeah fiona you talked just as a last question you talked about um you know your say you're nearing retirement but you've got this sort of longer <laughs> career than me what what are your reflections on that you know did you think you'd have this kind of career you know what kind of what have you sort of thoughts if you like about your career uh I'm I, I'm just very grateful for the career that the, the industry has given me actually because it has been so rewarding it has been so interesting uh, and and the people in this industry are great people so when I look back on my career I look back with an enormous amount of satisfaction and an absolutely no regret um, because even with the low times when I left the RICS I do not regret working for the RICS I don't regret mm. uh, what I did um, and the people I met um, and the challenges it gave me um, yeah I, I yeah I don't I don't feel ready to retire yet because there's still so much fun to be had but it won't be long. I'm tired. <laughs> you ain't going anywhere yet, lady. <laughs> oh, Fiona, it's been lovely to talk to you. Honestly, I think the career, your career, the work you've done, the inspiration that you provide to others and to me personally. Thank you for that. She's been um, flattering me again. You know, no, but, you know, but we, we don't often say thank you. We often don't talk about these careers that, that we have, you know, and um, yeah, it's just been a real pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. See you soon. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to rate, review, and follow the podcast. It does make a difference. And I look forward to speaking to you next time. Bye for now.